Aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? What's up, nerds? Welcome to another episode of the Multiverse Report. Tonight we are recapping the week's nerdy news from the North Pole to Bedford Falls to Whoville to the Sea of Swirly Twirly Gumdrops to the Island of Misfit Toys to the future grave of Ebenezer Scrooge and everywhere in between. That's right. Happy holidays from us here at the Multiverse Report. My name is Mike Gibson with me as always Steve Haller. What's up, Steve? It's a holiday episode with actually us not talking about anything holiday related, but it's no. the last one before the big day, I think, right? I believe so, because a week from tonight is Christmas Eve, correct? Yeah. Or is it actual Christmas? Christmas, uh, Eve? Christmas Eve, I believe. Yeah, so I don't think we're going to be recording on Christmas Eve, and I doubt we're going to be recording on Christmas Day. I think my mom would shoot me if I tried to record yeah. on Christmas Eve. That's her, yeah. of the two, that's her big one, so. Yeah, so uh, we'll. I'm sure we'll do an episode, we're going to do an episode before New Year's, though, yeah. we have to, because we have to do an episode that talks about all of our favorite stuff from the past year and looks forward to what's happening next year, and we're planning on doing that. We just don't know when. Um, maybe the twenty sixth. Maybe on Boxing Day. Maybe a Boxing Day episode. Ooh. We will. We will find out. Um, and when we and, find uh, out, you will find out. Yeah, when we find out, you'll find out, and we'll let you know. We'll let you know. Um, if you're uh, watching live on YouTube, sorry, we're getting a bit of a late start. As I mentioned on an Instagram live video, Steve just getting back from the North Pole with his family. Um, Indeed. So uh, you know, it's a long journey. Got that Santa Claus magic. That train moves pretty fast. It does. It's done in like an hour. It's I was going to say. It goes all yeah, the way to the North Pole. Yeah, you're an hour there and back and uh, problem solved. Yeah, um, pretty crazy. Yeah, in the uh, in the greater Syracuse area, there is a uh, actual train that uh, uh, does the whole Polar Express thing. And I just took my family on that and uh, yeah, made it back in time to record for all of your ear holes. Yes. Um, although it is a bit of a later start for us. And we do both have to wake up tomorrow morning and do, uh, you know, normal, normal day things, normal right. Monday things. Um, we are going to try not to tangent quite as much <laughs> during this episode, but right. we have said that before countless times. So, you know, cut to us wrapping this up at 1230 tonight. We'll see how long we go. Uh, we're talking about um, a good amount of DC stuff tonight. Mostly uh, there's nothing big, I guess, say, but there's a good amount of DC stuff. Uh, kind of swirling around and some Marvel animation stuff, comic reviews, a couple one shots tonight. This uh, podcast is sponsored by Funky Town Comics in Camillus, New York, as it is always. Uh, coming up, Funky Town, uh, something coming up in 2024. Funky Town is sponsoring Collectors Con in Syracuse, New York. First uh, inaugural, I should say, the inaugural Collectors Con. Hopefully, this is something that becomes a yearly thing. Uh, Steve and I will both be there. We will have a booth for the podcast. We'll also have a booth for me, or I'll have a booth for me as a comic artist. Not artist, writer. I, you know how many um, times I did that at Saratoga Comic Con? Yeah. I yeah. was like, this is comic artist Mike Gibson who wrote the yeah. comic. I'm like, wait, that doesn't yeah, make didn't drop. sense. Didn't drop. Damn it. Yeah. No, 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 no. Somebody else did that. Someone else is way better than me. She's great. Brian McFarland. Um, so yeah, Collectors Con, March 16th and 17th. You just check that out. You should also check out our recent interview with comic author simon burks up on your feed right now scroll back a couple weeks good talk to him uh, and more of that coming up in 2024 another thing to look forward to in 2024 um but speaking of um 
things looking forward to, but not in 2024. Things you don't have to wait that long for. That's, that's a better segue. Things you don't have to wait right. until 2024 to see. But something we've been waiting a long time for, the sequel to a little movie called Aquaman. The sequel is called Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, and it comes out this Friday, December sure 22nd. And uh, I'm sure this movie is going to have a lot going on inside of it. Uh, but on the outside, this movie marks the end of the DC Extended Universe, the DCEU. Starting all the way back 2013 with Man of Steel. Gave us such bangers as The Suicide Squad, Birds of Prey, Wonder Woman, and such flops as the rest Black of Adam, <laughs> The Flash. There's a lot of middling ones, I'd that, say. Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. There's it a really, lot. If you look at the whole thing, it really runs the gamut of like near perfect films to, to straight hot total, garbage. Yeah. Total hot garbage. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Though lately, you can almost say that about the Marvel slate, too. So I feel like the lows aren't as low the, and the highs are close. The first, well, the highs uh, are probably higher. You but, know, the yeah. first compare, I got to turn my light on. I forgot. You know, the first comparison I thought of was uh, Star Wars, actually. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that's also similar. But um, I feel like for me, Star Wars is either great or bad. And there's not a ton of like in the middle Star Wars. Whereas there's a lot of in the middle DC extended universe stuff for me. Anyway. Yeah. No, I got you there. Yeah. Um, but Steve, I got to say, I didn't link to anything, but I saw a new TV spot and I saw like a foreign trailer for this movie this week. Okay. This movie, it looks awesome. I got to say, this movie looks dope. I'm Avatar looks st- really cool too. I know, man. But like, but we've also seen, we've seen Aquaman, Aquaman, the first one. Yeah. We know what that one was. We know that that's not a perfect movie, but we know it looks great and the action is super cool and it's super fun. It's yeah. not it's not like a masterpiece by any means. It's not Scorsese. It's a uh... <laughs> Yeah, but it's a very it's a very fun movie. Right. And to me these trailers, this movie just looks like it takes everything that the first one was and kind of like pushes it further. So, I feel like my expectations are pretty well set. As to what to expect from Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, I don't expect it to be, uh, you know, a cinematic masterpiece. The visuals look great. The action looks incredible. Just the cool designs and stuff. Like it's the same crew that made the first one. So like, right. I feel like my opinion on Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is going to be similar to my opinion on Aquaman, which is like, you know, this is a fun movie that I will I will revisit this movie because of how cool it looks and how fun it is. And I'll skip over the dialogue parts into <laughs> the next, you know, I don't, you know, I'll fast forward through those or whatever. So I don't know. To me, it looks pretty cool. We'll see when it comes out. I'm obviously, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to see it, you know, the day or two before Christmas, but um, probably sometime in the week between maybe by, maybe by the next time we do our, when we do our new year's episode, I will have seen it possibly. Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, but anyway, uh, Jason Momoa, obviously doing out, out doing promotion for this movie. Asked about the end of the DCEU and whether or whether or not um, he will be continuing on as Aquaman in any in any way after this movie. And he said, quote, I don't necessarily want it to end, but I don't think it's really like a choice. (laughs) Love Jason Momoa. It's great. The truth of it is, I mean, if the audience loves it, then there's a possibility. But right now I'm like, 
it's not looking too good. <laughs> Even in the next 10 years or so, like there's a lot of cool things they can do. And I enjoy the role and the world. So, I mean, it just comes down to if people love it. And this is kind of like a, we've heard this before, Zachary Levi saying this about Shazam too. Even though the writing is on the wall, we know that James Gunn and Peter Safran are taking over and they're going to do a pretty hard, pretty hard reboot uh, for the DCU. But at the same time, I do believe this in that if Aquaman 2 makes another billion dollars, then I can see them being like, okay, sure, fine, he can be Lobo, but he's also going to be Aquaman in Aquaman 3. We're making another one because these movies keep making billions of dollars. I don't think Aquaman The Lost Kingdom is going to make a billion dollars. I think it's going to do better than I think it's going to do better than we're expecting it to do because there's not a whole lot of else happening in theaters right now. And I think people are going to want to go to the movies and I think people are going to go see Aquaman. So yeah. we'll see. Could be wrong. Um, he was then asked about whether or not he's going to continue in the new DCU uh, from James Gunn and Peter Safran. And he said, if there's a place in their world for me, I would love to be a part of it. This is my home. Warner and DC is definitely my home. That's, so that's all I'll say. I was a big Lobo fan growing up. I read every comic, so that would be really cool. The way I I don't I didn't read like the uh, origin of this interview. This was just like right. on a being reported on another site. So I don't know if he was specifically asked about Lobo. The way I read it, it seemed like he just brought up Lobo. I feel like this is just the absolute worst kept secret in Hollywood that he's going to be the character of Lobo. Oh, it has as been talked for about a long time at this point. I think many times, many yeah. times. Um. So yeah, that's Aquaman, Steve. You plan on seeing Aquaman and Lost Kingdom in the theater? Maybe. I don't know. It's uh, it's definitely one of those where I'm like, yeah, that'd be. If I'm going to see it, I would probably want to see it in the theater just for the visuals. Yeah, I think the visuals warrant a theatrical experience. I'll I let you know when I'm going. Well, we don't we don't know currently what, what the status of our movie theater is, but oh, yeah, it's true. There's a big fire. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, but uh, if yeah. if it is physically capable of us seeing said movie then yeah yeah maybe maybe we'll take a swing at it why not uh speaking of the dceu um oh sorry i was jumping ahead of story speaking of the dcu um apparently at one point james gunn talked to his friend and former collaborator matt reeves you might remember that name from being the guy who uh wrote and directed a little movie called The Batman um, that uh, rules super hard. <laughs> um, Matt Reeves, they've announced that this bat, the, the Batman and the spinoff show The Penguin and The Batman Part 2 are all going to be in a separate Elseworlds universe. It's not going to be part of the Gun and Saffron mainline DCU, which when they announced it, I was like, that's kind of smart. I think it, you know, you can... You know, I like this world a lot. I don't have to worry about Superman showing up and that stuff. Just give me a bat verse, and then James Gunn can do wild, crazy stuff in the DCU. Mm-hmm. But apparently, James Gunn initially wanted the Batman to be part of his DCU and offered that to Matt Reeves, and they le- left it up to Matt Reeves. Um, uh, so Robert Pattinson's Batman could have been the Batman in the DCU. However, Matt Reeves wanted to keep it separately, and James Gunn respected that decision. So they're going to be separate things. 
which leads to us getting a second Batman in Brave and the Bold whenever that comes around to being a thing, uh, which I think is cool. And Steve, I know James, we've, we've talked about how James Gunn has said a couple times about how he enjoys, he thinks that he thinks that different superhero movies should feel differently. They should speak to the character versus just speaking to the connectivity of the overall universe, kind of like a dig at Marvel, how all their movies kind of feel the same right now. Um, so, but you know, he's talked about how like Swamp Thing is going to be like a hard R horror movie. Superman mm-hmm. Legacy is not going to be a hard R horror movie. It's going to be a lighter thing. Um, and he's I, talked about how he enjoys uh, hold on, the, hold on, the, the. Hold on. Sorry. So I I want Superman Legacy to be a hard R horror movie. <laughs> okay, uh, then you should go and watch uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League again, and you can get that flavor. <laughs> Oh, you get God. that flavor from that. Um, uh, but, uh, James Gunn has talked about how he he thinks the challenge that he enjoys the the challenge of thinking figuring out ways to have those characters interact and have them make sense together, but have them feel very different, which I like a lot. I'm very excited to see him do that. I feel like that was the excitement of the original Avengers movie when back when MCU movies did feel different. Captain America: First Avenger feels very different from Thor. Feels very very different from Iron Man in my yeah. opinion um yeah the original like all the phase one and two stuff was relatively yeah. until we got post avengers it was it wasn't nearly as cookie cutter it wasn't nearly as uh homogenous and even more so now oh yeah like yeah. it's now just it's like gotten more and more yeah. yeah exactly it's assembly line right um freaking model but, t we're, we're straight up model yeah. t at this point right all that being said do you think robert pattinson's batman could work could have worked in a bigger DCU with characters like Superman. Can you picture Robert Pattinson's Batman interacting with like a green lantern? Huh? See, now this is kind of, it's almost that same situation. And of course I immediately go to X-Men of like in my brain, does it make more sense to not bring the X-Men into the MCU and just have them in a separate multiverse? Because if there's all these other powered beings around where's the stakes for you know the mutants being the hated ones like if people accept reed richards expanding his arm across the state why does nightcrawler who is blue and bounces all over the place why is he the you know the one persecuted um similarly you know on the dc side if you have batman and all this street level stuff and then he goes from that immediately to hanging out with superman and like going on cosmic adventures and stuff and you're like i don't this doesn't feel right i the feel of the the batman seems to fit more in its own universe and almost feels like it needs to be there more than it would if it was part of the dc i'm sure there's a way they could write it in but if you're going off what was made already and trying to like knowing James Gunn it doesn't fit the flavor that I'm expecting at least some of the DCU to have. So yeah. yes and no. I agree. I, th- I think it could have worked. However, I prefer this decision because I don't believe Matt Reeves wrote the Batman with a larger DC universe in mind. I think, I think, James Gunn having his own Batman 
and knowing that this is a Batman that needs to be able to go toe to toe with Superman and Wonder Woman and also possibly hop in a Justice League jet and fly to Apocalypse to fight Darkseid, you know, some someday. Um, I think knowing that about that character informs that character and informs how you write. Even if you do just, even if the Brave and the Bold is just a Batman and Robin street level movie, um, having that knowledge about that character informs the way you write that character and the way you make that movie. So mm-hmm. the fact that Robert Pattinson's Batman was not conceived as that, I think would feel a little forced if they had suddenly uh you know thrown him into a larger universe right i could be wrong they could have had a way to do it and it would have felt great but in my heart it seems like th- this is the right decision i believe. yeah no definitely i'm with you there. so um we also learned from james gunn i believe today on threads the social media platform threads he's doing a lot of responding today to people's questions oh was he having one of those days yeah well he had to debunk a couple rumors there were hollywood reporter which is a reputable site posted yeah. that um, his friend Palm Clementif was going to be in Superman Legacy, and uh, he was like, "No, this is not true at all." He's like, "I I've been trying to debunk less stuff lately, but you know, she's my friend, and this is just emphatically not true." <laughs> so I'm I'm coming out to say it. Um, uh, and there's one other actress he had to do something similar with this week, and then he just started answering questions, I guess, at the same time. And through those questions. One of the things we learned, Steve, you might remember that Matt Reeves was initially developing, he's developed The Penguin, a spinoff from The Batman that takes place within the Batman universe. And he was originally going to be doing a Gotham City or GCPD series, which ended up turning into an Arkham Asylum series, which was originally going to be a spinoff of The Batman as well. Apparently now, James Gunn is saying that the Arkham Asylum series is going to be a part of the DCU and not a part of Matt Reeves' Batman-verse, or Bat-verse. That so this is weird. definitely, it is weird. It's a, definitely a twist, and this is how he said it. Um, someone asked him if there were other Batman spinoffs, because he, he had said, he responded to someone that he said he heard a pitch for the Batman 2, part 2. He hasn't read a script, the script isn't done yet, but he knows what the story is and that it's cool. Nice. Um, and someone said, are there going to be other spinoffs from Matt Reeves' Batman verse? And he said, right now, Matt is producing Arkham as a DCU series, so there's just the two for now, meaning the Batman Part 2 and the Penguin. So someone responded to that saying, wait, so the Arkham series is in the DCU? And James Gunn said, yes, we love Matt as a director and producer, so he'll be producing stories both within his The Batman universe and within the DCU. And then okay. someone said, was it always planned this way? And he said, yes, it was one of the first pitches we bought when Peter and I came on board. I don't know the permutations it went through before that time. So I'm thinking that, you know, we already know that it changed from a GCPD series to a uh, Arkham Asylum series. So there's always a lot of changes going on. Maybe during those changes, it became clear that this may not fit into our world as much as we think it was going to. So then James Gunn and Peter Safran came on board and they say, hey, you know what? Let's see if they want to do anything with this. That's my guess. So maybe James Gunn wasn't familiar with the version of it that was supposed to take place in the Batman universe. And only his first 
uh, introduction to it was as, hey, what if you guys want to do this? Um, so that's one more series that we know is going to be part of the DCU. We know that James Gunn has only announced about half of the slate for phase one uh, or chapter one of the DCU. Um, but now this is going to be part of that maybe as well. Obviously, there's no release dates or anything like that. But I think that's cool because then if we know, I like the idea that we're getting the Robert Pattinson Batman uh, we know is early on. It's he's like he was Batman for like two years in that movie. Right. And we see Riddler. He's meeting the Riddler for the first time. He's meeting Catwoman for the first time. And we know that he has Joker's already in Arkham Asylum. So he's already tangled with Joker. We're still getting a very new Batman. So we're going to see like a lot of these villains' origin stories probably in the Batman Part 2 and maybe even the Penguin and things like that. But I like the idea of having Brave and the Bold, which we already know, I guess, is going to be not Dick Grayson as Robin. It's going to be future Robin. So Brave and the Bold is going to have a Batman that's already lived in this world for a while. So maybe all of his Rose Gallery is already established and we don't have, we can just jump right to Bane or Scarecrow or whoever else, you know, right. I like that. It's another way to keep the two separate, I guess I'm saying. Yeah. Um, no, I can see that. Yeah. Um, also speaking of the Batman part two, Barry Keoghan, uh, was asked, he's out promoting a movie called Bright, not Brightburn, Saltburn, Saltburn, that's right. Yeah. Um, which I've heard very incredibly mixed things about. Masterpiece and terrible dog shit. So who knows? Those are always anyway, um, of course, he's out doing promotion for this movie. He was asked if he's going to reprise the role of the Joker in a Batman Part 2. And he said, in his adorable Irish accent said, I can't really say anything about that, my man, but um, it would be exciting, wouldn't it, to see the Joker come to life again? And then he kind of looks away and starts laughing and really, you can tell he's like trying to say something. He wants to say more and he can't. He said, my smile says it all. You know what I mean? Which to me is like, yes, he's going to be in that part too. <laughs> I'd be shocked if he wasn't after the uh, tease of him in the, the first one. But... um. I'm very excited to see more of him as Joker because yeah, what it, we got was very menacing and interesting. It seemed, yeah, it seemed like a unique take on the Joker. Um, like yeah. one that, one that wasn't the, the standard rote that we've seen in all of these uh, iterations. Like even certainly his look, he definitely oh, yeah, looked, I mean, we, they didn't really even really show his face, which was right. even cooler, but what we saw of it looked wildly different from, Jack Nicholson or Heath Ledger or anybody. Right. And even I don't know, it's weird to it's weird to try and put a finger on, but there were there were through lines from, you know, Nicholson to Ledger to uh sure. Leto to whoever. Yeah. With Phoenix, yeah. Certain ways they've portrayed the Joker. And this really did just feel I I don't know, not like a different character. Like it still felt like the Joker, but there was something he definitely added a little, and this is an extremely limited screenshot that yeah. we saw. Yeah, um, was I mean, it felt it felt good, but I also think that's in line with uh, the way Robert Pattinson was Batman in that movie, and the way like that way yeah. that character yep. was. It, it's a testament to the way that both characters were written and conceived but also the way that they were acted. Mm -hmm. Both those characters have been portrayed so many times, right? whether in it's so in live action ways. or animation or comics, and you're still finding new ways 
to give them to us yep. is so impressive and incredible. And I think it really speaks to uh, how malleable the characters really are, you know, and a lot of comic yeah. book characters are similar. Spider-Man, you know, is one to keep kind of reinventing. And yeah, there's people that are like, Oh, I, you know, Tom Holland doesn't really feel like Spider-Man to me. I'm like, yeah, okay. But there's Great. a version of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. There he is. Well, so, and that's that's always weird because it's like, especially the Tom Holland doesn't feel like Spider Man. Like, yeah, I know he feels exactly like Spider Man. He, he feels <laughs> yeah. perfectly like Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah. Un- unless you're unless you're a, like strictly you've never read anything but Miles and you say Tom Holland doesn't feel like Spider Man. Sure, right, okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. <laughs> like, he yeah. does not feel like Miles Morales. He feels Correct. like Peter Parker. Peter Parker. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, so that's another similar character where over the years we've seen iterations of spider-man that all feel very homogenous like yes holland has his quirks and feels different than the other two but there's still the through lines whereas you pull up you know amazing spider-man versus like uh, you know pull up some silver age stuff versus now versus whenever there's there's different iterations of peter and how he's portrayed and yeah we're about to hit the ultimates and whatever exactly. whatever we're going to see in Ultimate Spider-Man number one is going to be a wildly different Peter than we've seen. Yes, so, and should be. Yeah, and should be. Otherwise, they're just rehashing. Like, there. I don't think. Um, you know, I, I don't think Christian Bale signed on to be Bruce Wayne, thinking like, how can I copy Michael Keaton's version of this right. character? You know, like that wasn't like Michael Keaton played him as like a an insane person. I think, but like quietly insane person. Right. Whereas Christian Bale is like very rooted in reality. And then we got Robert. I mean, I'm skipping over people here and there, but then there's Robert Pattinson, which is more such a, like a noir detective take that just feels different from anybody else that's ever done it. So like, there's, you know, it's, it's like, I feel like it's picking, picking an aspect, an unexplored aspect of the character and diving into that. So it's still which is rooted where the, the best comic book runs come from too. Yeah. Exactly. So it totally makes sense that the the preferred uh movie yeah. runs or movie portrayals would come from that too. Yeah, exactly. Um last little bit of DC news slash James Gunn um social media stuff. Uh a ton of DC movies are now streaming on a streaming service called Tubi. T U B I. Sure. Um Tubi is a uh it's pretty great, Steve. Tubi is a free streaming service. It's uh, supported with ads, so there's like commercials and stuff. But so we're back ton- to normal television. Hey, yeah, okay. But it's I don't know. Works for me. Yeah. When I'm in a pinch, if I'm like, this is the only place this movie is streaming, I'll sit when, through a couple. When of your other option fine. is watching uh, Christmas Vacation repeatedly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um. Lots of DCEU stuff has just been added to that series, and there's a bunch of older DC movies that are already on there. Uh, Because Warner Brothers is now kind of abandoning the Disney model, which they originally started out with HBO Max, now called Max, with like taking everything and putting it under their umbrella. So if you you know if you want to watch any Batman thing, you have to subscribe to HBO Max. That's like what Disney does. It's like Star Wars, nowhere else except. Disney Plus, Marvel movies, Disney Plus, nowhere else. Um, and you could argue that that's a good idea to force people to buy your streaming service. You could also argue that like not everybody can afford every streaming service, so you know maybe you should license these things out if you want people to 
have a, a a wider availability to your to your content to your characters and stuff yeah. so this is the route that dc is taking but some people who are so used to the 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 disney idea angry about this don't understand uh why this is a good business move for warner brothers so um i think james gunn posted something about how these movies were on to be now and a, a fan angrily responded to him like claiming that this was like diluting the dc brand and called it a cause of a lack of cohesion within the dc universe which doesn't really make sense at all but anyway um gunn responded to this uh fan and said um anyway he, he kind of addressed that like this is just what people will have this is what studios have done mm -hmm. since the beginning of studios and networks like this is just what happens you license out your stuff to be shown other places so other people can access it like we were just talking about um he said james gunn said not sure where the anger is coming from but dc projects being spread across different platforms so that more people have access to the stories is not the same as having any cohesion in the dcu timeline which we very much do starts with creature commandos merry little batman on amazon is a fun animated kids movie that was already being made when we came aboard but elseworlds animated projects like that will keep happening i'm not sure how that's confusing so he makes a couple good points like, yeah, Tubi is free. Someone that can't afford to pay the $20 a month or whatever it is for Max now, but they still want to watch Birds of Prey or they want to watch The Batman, then they can watch it for free with commercials on Tubi. And that makes them excited about those characters. So when those characters come back in a new movie, they want to go see that movie. Like that's smart. <laughs> that's a smart business decision. Yeah, that um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, and also, uh, I don't think anybody, uh, one, I did watch Merry Little Batman this weekend with my son. It is great. It's really good. It's not a special. It's, an, it's a movie. It's an hour and a half long. It's a full Christmas Batman movie <laughs> about Damien trying to prove himself as the next Batman. It's really cute. It's really funny. Um, like I laughed out loud uh, plenty of times. Uh, it was great. Uh, I don't think anyone starts watching Merry Little Batman is, and is saying, wait, why isn't Robert Pattinson in this? You know, like, like nobody. Right. Yeah. And like, and even like when, no, when you went to see the Robert Pattinson uh, Batman movie, was anybody confused that it wasn't Ben Affleck? I don't think so. I think people understand that there can be different versions of this thing. And I think that's what James Gunn is uh, getting at. And I'm all for it. I'm all for the Elseworlds model. You know, yeah. I'm, been reading comics my whole life so i can uh i can figure it out i can catch up um moving into some marvel stuff now steve i didn't have this in the rundown but real quick i need to you need to answer this truthfully okay. on air okay you oh, you boy. need to be honest with me right now you need to be honest with me okay you ready did you hack into insomniac games to try to steal information about the wolverine game and are holding it hostage did you do that? Because somebody did that. And we were just talking last week about how much we wanted to know about the Wolverine game, Steve. Was it you? No comment. Oh. <laughs> no comment. No, it was not me, Michael. It was not me. I know it wasn't you. Alas. But I thought it was It was like the day after we recorded. Seriously. It was like Monday. <laughs> it was great. Uh. How, like... 
you can go back and listen to last week's episode. We're both very excited about that Wolverine game. Yeah. Very excited about it. Apparently someone's a lot more excited than we are. Way more. In no universe would I hack into Insomniac Games, steal valuable information, and then hold it for ransom until they release information about the Wolverine game. Insane. Whoever's doing that, stop doing that. That's a stupid thing to do. <laughs> this Just is be a patient. bad, bad idea. Don't yeah, do this. You're being stupid. Don't do that. Don't do that. It's a game. It's a game. Uh, Marvel. I got some animation news from Marvel. Marvel has announced a animated Black Panther spinoff series for Disney Plus called Eyes of Wakanda. There's no other information about it other than it will premiere in 2024. Um... I think that kind of sounds cool, I guess. I'm not really, you know, yeah. I would like some more information about it. Um, I did remember, though, that in 2021, it was announced that um, Black Panther director and writer Ryan Coogler was developing a Wakanda-focused series for Disney+. Plus. Do we think this is that series? Or do we think this is something else entirely? It's animation, so they clearly had started working on it before now. I don't know why they just waited this long to announce it, because... There's other things they've been working on that we've known about for a year at least. So yeah. why keep this under wraps? I don't know. Steve, um, what are your thoughts on an animated Black Panther spinoff series? I think animated and uh, like the spectacle of the two Black Panther movies has been amazing. Like the yeah. uh, being able to put visuals to Wakanda and uh, the whole everything that was going on with Wakanda forever for the various faults of the movie itself like they were able to visually do some great things and i think yeah. animation because because they've shown wakanda to be such a you know diverse country uh area wise like going from the the cliffs uh like up in the mountains yeah. with um with the gorilla tribe mm -hmm. down to like the shores and in the plains and all that like they've shown all these drastically different ecosystems within Wakanda. Yeah. It's almost like animation would be the perfect medium to throw something like this out and not have to spend a boatload of money on yeah. CG every time you're making one of these, you know, making a story with Black Panther or anybody or right. in, in Wakanda. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's a very, like, to have Coogler tied in, and if this is the the Coogler series, to have Coogler tied in and storytelling within that medium where it's almost no holds barred for him, yeah, I'm very right. excited about that because, True. like, you're yes, effectively he wasn't constrained because of what they were able to do with those movies and the budget they had. But yeah. if he can literally say, "Oh, you know what? I have this crazy thing going on in my head. Let's draw this," even better. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for sure. I'm I'm definitely excited with what they can do within the medium. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll anxiously await more information. Yeah, about this series. Well, it's um, you know what uh, I I started to rewatch uh, Clone Wars with my son. Mm -hmm. Um, his first time, but me rewatching yeah. for the umpteenth time. Um, mm -hmm. but it's kind of that same concept that happened with Star Wars where you have all these tales that you can tell in a animated medium that there's no chance in hell you could tell live action right? or very yeah. limited or you chance could, you it could would tell just be live action. Very yeah. expensive, yeah. Right, whereas we get seven seasons of The Clone Wars that fleshed out the, the time between episodes two and three 
more than literally any other era of the saga. Yeah. And yeah. if they could, you know, take that and for uh, literally everything to do with Wakanda and anything adjacent to it, um, that would be awesome to be able to fill in yeah. all those gaps and to be able to, you know, see why, uh, why the tribes were at odds or, um, like why the, the gorilla tribe didn't in, in the first season, like show a precursor yeah. as to why they're the exiles and didn't want to, you know, agree with everybody else. And right. Like yeah. tell, tell you, all these you, stories. Yeah. You can get history. Um, you can get like founding of it. You can get other black Panthers in the past. You could get, uh, smaller street level stories about just like citizens of Wakanda at the same time. Like there's Jabari. Um, sorry that that's been bugging yes. me since I kept saying it. I'm like, eh, what I can tell it? when you said gorilla tribe, you're like, I there's a I name for this and thing. I need it to was, know it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I know this. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's coming out next year. We won't have to wait too much longer. I wouldn't think for some more information. Yeah, at least um, a trailer or something. Even still, yeah, or something. some like a, a synopsis, an <laughs> like animation something. style, anything. Yeah, a still, anything. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of animation for Marvel, we won't have to wait too much longer for What If season two is coming out this Friday, same day as Aquaman and the Lost King. Um, this Friday, December twenty second. Uh, they just review. They just released the episode titles for this season. The episode titles are as follows: What if Nebula joined the Nova Corps? What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? What if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? What if Iron Man crashed into the Grand Master? What if Captain Carter fought the Hydra Stomper? What if Kahori reshaped the world? What if Hela found the Ten Rings? What if Strange Supreme? intervened all those episodes uh i guess it doesn't no nah, it's not binge it's like a weekly thing right they're not dropping all at once um first episode comes out uh friday december 22nd third season is in development steve i was gonna ask you but i'm just gonna say it i don't care about any of these questions like none of these questions make me want to watch this series the, how do you feel the only one that jumped at me is the how did or how uh, let's pull this up and say it right what if what it's if what if how did the no, series I, is called i want to see how did <laughs> <laughs> how did question mark the series dc dc should do a how did <laughs> it'd be great yeah. um no the the what if kahori or uh, i believe it's pronounced kahorti uh reshape oh, okay. the world um so kahorti is a uh close to home here in Syracuse, uh, a young Mohawk woman who discovered the Tesseract. Um, oh. So, uh, a Haudenosaunee woman who discovered the Tesseract and is a, I guess, a new novel character in the Marvel Universe. Hmm. So. Okay. Um, that does sound interesting. Yeah. Cool. That that's the only one that jumped at me. The rest of them, I couldn't really like. I made it through five episodes of the first season. I so. know. Yeah, I was gonna say you didn't even finish the first one. Nope. <laughs> so nope. I did, um, but I didn't care so much about it that uh, I'm excited for. Like, I I put these on the list because I wanted to talk about them to see if I was missing anything. But none of these really seem. They don't really jump out at me as like, oh, I need us. I can't. I can't imagine. What if Peter Quill attacked Earth's mightiest heroes? Like, I don't know. He would get slaughtered right. <laughs> by the Hulk. Like, what? 
I don't know. None of them seem inherently interesting to me. I could be wrong. Maybe I'll give it a shot, but I don't know if I'll be watching What If Season 2. No offense to all the brilliant animators that worked on that show. Oh, it's always looked... Um, every episode I saw looked great. Yeah, it, it looks just great. didn't. Yeah, and there's some fun stuff in there, I guess, but I don't know. It seems like... I'm just realizing this right now. Maybe it's because we're in a current place with the live-action current MCU timeline that we don't really know what's going on or what the drive is or what the focus is. It all seems kind of just like wheel spinning, not really moving towards anything. Everything seems this, like, like what if? Exactly. If we're in this like nebulous kind of pattern with the actual main timeline of the MCU, I don't care about what if stories. Right. I want to like, I don't even know what's going on in the real reality. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Uh, speaking of different realities, uh, we talked a while ago about an announcement of uh, another animated Marvel thing called Spider-Man Freshman Year, which was announced a few years ago. I think in the same Comic-Con that they announced the X-Men 97 revival, I believe. Um, yes, it was. And this is a uh, Disney Plus animated series. It's not going to be called Spider-Man Freshman Year anymore. They announced it's got a title change. will now be called Your Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man. No reason was given for this change at all. This series was originally announced as more or less an origin story for Tom Holland's Spider-Man within the MCU. And that made me very excited because when we meet him in Captain America Civil War, he's already been somewhat Spider-Man. He's got a rattier costume or whatever, but he's been Spider-Man right. for a little bit of time. We don't see him get, by, get, get bit by the spider. We don't see his Uncle Ben dying. We don't see any of that stuff. But I was like, ooh, great. I'd love to see all that. Uh, then they pulled that rug out from underneath us and they got switched to being taking place in an alternate timeline within the MCU. So not really within the MCU, I guess like, you know, multiverse stuff. Technically it's the MCU, but I don't know. It's like the what if stuff. I don't really care about the what if stuff. I care about what's happening in reality. So anyway, uh, but this is an alternate timeline in the MCU where Norman Osborn is Peter Parker's mentor instead of Tony Stark. Um. Steve, I got to say, I don't know that I care about this cartoon at all anymore. Nope. It's not as interesting to me. It went bad. They, they, they took a novel story and a novel idea because, like you said, Holland's Peter Parker, we don't have any details on. Yeah. We meet him, yeah. and he's already doing his thing. Right. We don't even, does he ever mention an Uncle Ben at any point? Uh, I think they reference maybe, maybe in in passing, but uh, they don't. I don't know that he ever says Uncle Ben. Yeah, in dialogue, I think in the second one in Far From Home, he's packing a suitcase that has the initials BP on it. Ben Parker. Uh, okay, and you know the way he talks to Tony in Civil War says like, you know. If I have these powers and bad things happen, if I don't do anything, then it's my fault. And that kind of tells me like, oh, he's been through that already. Yeah. You know. So, but I don't know that he actually ever says Uncle Ben. Yeah. Like somebody does in uh No Way Home, right? Doesn't Toby Maguire say my Uncle Ben or something? Yeah, in No Way Home, yeah. I mean, because we know yeah, Toby and Andrew with. had Uncle Ben. They Ben's. sure did. Yeah. Un Uncle's Ben. Uncle's Ben, yeah. Yes, the Uncle's Ben. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. This is yeah. this to me is like 
they took a concept that is directly tied to a character that I care about and took it and put it in this what if timeline that I don't care about right at all well and now so, it's okay Peter's working for Osborne and that's his mentor and we've seen this 8,000 times right cool great we have a Spider-Man story as opposed to yeah. something like I my my Spider-Man knowledge is not paramount but like Tony being the guy for him seemed like a very fresh take on it and something new yeah, for sure. that we hadn't yeah. really or at least I hadn't seen explored same so this would have been same. kind of cool yeah i feel like and the MCU has trained so many people's brains I still I feel this about the MCU. It hasn't bled into other franchises for me, but I know it has for a lot of people where like if it's not connected, it doesn't matter. Like the MCU has hammered this like continuity uh you know, this need for continuity into a lot of people's brains. Um but I don't necessarily need that. Like yeah, give me a Batman movie that isn't connected to something else or give me whatever the harley quinn series that isn't connected to anything else like i like that stuff like i like a fresh could be because then you're able to do a fresh take but because mcu was so like nope everything is connected or it doesn't matter now mm -hmm. they're giving us this and like the what if series like okay well you already told me that that doesn't matter <laughs> so i don't right. care about it inherently i don't know maybe i'm just uh I don't know. Maybe I'm a hater. Maybe this will come out and it'll be great. I don't get, know. Get off my lawn. I, at the same time, I do like a good Spider-Man story. So, and this is a, well, but this could be a good name too. Like you went from, again, something novel, Spider-Man freshman year to friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which. Yeah. A title we've heard a million on. times. Like yeah. really? Could we make it more generic? Yeah. Like everyone's, right. everyone's literally telling Marvel to take these things and make them less generic because they all sound the same. And now yeah. it's like, oh, you know what we're going to do to mix things up? Let's name our Spider-Man story the same goddamn thing it's always <laughs> named. Yeah. Like, yeah. how many comic book runs have been your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man? I know of at least two or three. I know. Um, at the same time, if this is just a good Spider-Man story that isn't connected to anything, then that's good. That's something that I like. Like, that's what I'm, I'm preaching right now. You know what I mean? So I can't say that I'm not, I can't say that I'm not going to give it a chance, but I can say that inherently I'm not as interested in it because of what the MCU has conditioned me to think about the MCU. Mm -hmm. But sure, I'll take a Spider-Man story. If it's good, then great. I'll love it. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. There so you we'll go. see. Um, do you have a comic to review? I did. I do as well. Can I go first? Because we're talking about spiders. Go for it. All right, I have Spider-Gwen Smash, number one. Uh, donated to me by Jesse at Funky Town Comics. It was written by Melissa Flores. Uh, penciler was Enid Balam. Uh, who? For Sifuente Sujo, the colorist, and Elisabetta D'Amico, the Amico is the inker. Uh, VC's Clayton Cows is uh, the letterer. Clayton is all over the place. Um, so this is number one of a new Spider-Gwen series. And it's good. It's really good. Uh, focuses on her and her. She lives in a separate universe. 
not the mainline Marvel universe and not even the universe with Miles Morales in it. She lives in a different reality where she is in a band, as they hint to in the uh, Spider-Verse films. Um, you know, kind of classic Spider-Woman stuff, Ghost Spider stuff. She's uh, trying to balance her daily life with the Ghost Spider. There were some things I didn't understand necessarily. Like for being a number one, I thought I was ready to be like, oh, a great jumping on point mostly is a great jumping on point. However, they reference events of other series in ways that I don't know what they're talking about. Um, so it clearly is a continuation from something. Maybe there was a Spider-Gwen series recently that I wasn't aware of that is continuing from that, or maybe spinning out of Spider-Verse books or something. I don't know. They definitely a few times reference things that I have no idea about. Um, and there's a weird thing where... Like she changes into Spider Gwen, or she changes into Spider Ghost Spider. <laughs> it's so confusing. Like the book's called Spider Gwen. In the movies, she's Spider Woman, which makes a lot of sense. But in the books, she's Ghost Spider. So there's like three different names for this one character all at the same time. I always am confused as to what I should be calling her. Um, what is like she a fight break? Spider Spider is Amazing Friends. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. Um so there's like a scene where like a villain starts attacking while the band is playing, performing at a show, and she changes into Ghost Spider like right in, right there, like right on stage in front of everybody. And everyone hates Ghost Spider, but then they like her. Like I don't is she, does she have a secret identity? Like like just things that I'm like confused about that weren't really like fleshed out for me too much. Changing into a secret identity. Well, Right in front music. of my face. <laughs> anyway, despite that, I thought this was a good book. I liked it a lot. Um, it turns she ends up partnering with a character that may become incredibly important and popular in the Marvel universe, depending on the events of Deadpool three. Dazzler, um, the mutant Dazzler, is a big part of this book. Uh, their bands go on a tour together, which is cool. Uh, but it turns out that Dazzler and her tour manager um who ends up being one natasha romanoff in this universe uh they have uh different motives other than just performing and uh being in a cool band um but so i won't i won't uh ruin that but it's cool seeing dazzler again and dazzler being treated well i think because she is a cool character um the art is great I, I dug the art quite a bit. Lots of cool colors. Yeah. Very uh, exciting kind of stuff. Um, so I would say that if you like this character, Spider-Gwen, Spider-Woman, Ghost Spider, however you refer to her, uh, if you like this character from the Spider-Verse movies or from comics, I would say that this is like a this is a good issue to pick up for sure, especially if there's any Swifties out there that want to read more books with Dazzler in them to prepare yourself for possibly... Uh, her being your new favorite superhero after can you imagine if Taylor Swift is really playing Dazzler in Deadpool 3 what are the odds that they give her her own movie probably pretty high if she doesn't pretty high right yeah I'm just here I'm just thinking that right now like she's a busy woman obviously she's got a lot to do but they're like yo we want to give you right but do you turn down Marvel Bank no I don't think you do no I think you make a Dazzler movie even when you can print your own money you might as well um so 
two things so far. Dazzler, if you are really interested in Dazzler, feel free to go down to our good friends at Funky Town Comics and Vinyl. They just got an awesome uh, collection in. um, Insane. Awesome X-Men collection. It was the full 63 to 250. I know there was a pretty solid uh, X-Men 130 in there, which was the first appearance of Dazzler. Um, And then... Every Swifties, other, go get it. Every other X Men book you need. Uh, thankfully, thankfully, in that stretch, the ones that I wanted, I mostly have. So I was like, okay, I can hold off. I don't have to run down yeah. there and see what's going on. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, the other uh, would be the other thing that I or the one thing I didn't like from what you were showing is I have a weird pet peeve where the A cover of a book. If the A cover of a book is dramatically different art-wise than the actual interior art, I don't know why that bugs me, but yeah. it always does. Like I agree. A cover should be like this should is what the, I'm getting. Series. Yep. A cover should be the series artist. Yeah. That's my opinion as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be the exact same or it can be stylized or whatever. Yeah. But like that looked dramatically different on the cover compared to what was inside oh, yeah. that book. So yeah, it is for sure. Yeah. It is for sure. Um, real quick, Steve, before you do your comic, and I hope this isn't a huge tangent because I know we're pushing time. We yeah. wanted to go, but we're talking about Deadpool 3. We're talking about Dazzler. Mm-hmm. Talk about the X-Men in general. I, for a long time, thought that, similar to how I feel about Superman Legacy being not released until 2025, we have like 2024, very light DC slate. We get Creature Commandos. Maybe nothing else, but from everything that they've had going on, I've said a couple times, the lack of DC stuff until Superman Legacy, huge blessing for them. Huge time for them to reset, let people forget about, you know, Justice League or Batman versus Superman, Flash, whatever, like, forget about all that and you can move something new. I used to think that about the X-Men as well. We got a long break between Dark Phoenix, a terrible movie, and whatever new incarnation of the X-Men we're going to get, all kind of all reports are telling us that we're going to see a lot of X-Men in Deadpool 3. Is Past this going future. to Yes. Is Deadpool 3 going to ruin the uh anticipation or take some of the steam out of the fans' anticipation of seeing a new X-Men movie because we will have seen X-Men characters? recently does that make sense do you know what i'm saying it does and i think the answer to that is maybe um yeah so dark phoenix you mentioned the off maligned for extremely good reason movie uh yeah. also the only live action appearance of dazzler otherwise true um true. that gap between that and now uh we did also have deadpool 2 that had a bunch of X-Force cameos in it and all that, but I guess... Yeah, but it didn't have Wolverine in it. You know what I mean? It didn't have Cyclops, it didn't have Wolverine or Storm or Uh, Gene or any of that stuff. It it did. Oh, yeah. In a classroom for about three to four seconds. Yeah, Uh, real quick. But, yeah, the... I feel like if they can pull off the Deadpool kills the Fox universe, it won't. Yeah. Um because it's all the faces we had seen and that we know they're not going to be there moving forward. Yeah. Um, if we start seeing like new castings pop up and like 
you know, if we if we see the days of future past, um, then I think it may. I think it may. I think it's possible. Yeah. I, I and for me, I my my hype will not die, but in general, yeah, yeah I, I, it may cut into the, you know, the over the top like. I mean, it's it's still gonna. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. It's still gonna be two years minimum before right. we get another X Men. Like we haven't had any announcements at all about an X Men movie, so we still have time, but we won't have as much time. So I was yeah. just curious about that, and I'm sorry to derail. Let's talk about your comic. Oh, my comic is a comic that I've been extremely interested in for years, and right. I've never gotten a chance to read. Wow! Uh, it would be uh, Stan Sakai's. Usagi Yojimbo. Whoa, cool. So f- ever ever since the crossover between uh Usagi Yojimbo and the Turtles, uh yeah. I was aware that this comic existed. This is Man. Space Usagi, uh Death and Honor. It's a mini arc uh of Usagi Yojimbo, the you know, the titular character. Titular um, rabbit in space. So the whole universe is effectively anthropomorphized animals. Uh, in this case, his clan is rabbits um, or rabbit-like characters. Uh, there's some... Uh, this this story uh, and the art is awesome. Uh, Stan Sakai does the art as well. Uh, nice. Well, and cool. it's it's like... If you want samurais in your Star Wars that are also rabbits, <laughs> this story is amazing. Wow, and I cool. did not know I wanted samurais in my Star Wars that were also rabbits. Um, well, but I did, apparently, because this is a darn good book. Um, Star Wars doesn't have a lot of it does have a lot of samurai influence in its lore. Yeah, and also so, has a rabbit in its there. comic lore. With, What's uh, the name of that rabbit character? Jackson, I believe. Jackson. Yep, with an X. Amazing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in this, uh, Usagi is um, tasked. He he thwarts a plot against his clan. Um, is tasked with training the heir to uh, the clan, and you know, uh, escapades ensue. All right, and then it leaves you at a uh, standard one of three cliffhanger. So, um, yeah, overall, very. Uh, I again, I did not know I needed what I read, but very awesome. solid. Uh, I, I probably will grab the other two just to complete the mini, oh, just to see where it goes. But yeah, why not? Um, I I I would de- it, it pushed the character up the list of things that would make me want to read and yeah. the character has been around since i believe around like 1990 yeah a um, long time like sakai yeah 90 uh yeah at least the early 90s yeah he won a yeah. he won an eisner in 96 for it um right ink pot in 91 so yep yeah it's uh he's been he's been around for a while he's been around doing this book for a while and this character so cool um yeah overall great um i i have now become a fan of a anthropomorphized rabbit 
That's um, awesome. Isn't that so, great? Yeah. Oh, it's it, character that's been around forever. You've yeah. never really experienced it or read it, and you're like, oh, this is great. I'm now I have like look like if you really dive into this, you ha- literally have decades of back material that you can read. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. There are. Let's see. Um, uh, there's at least nine omnibus. Wow. And a Legends omnibus with Space Usagi, uh, Yukai, and Senso, and yeah, um, plus a bunch of other graphic novels. So yeah, if I ever wanted to dive down the Usagi Ujimbo rabbit hole, there are options. A literal rabbit hole. Well, and it's a bravo. Pretty pretty deep, pretty deep one. Yes, I think I was introduced to Usagi Ujimbo, uh as a Ninja Turtles crossover character, I thought for a long time, I thought Usagi Yojimbo yeah. was, was a Ninja a, Turtles character. Yeah, same. Like I thought he was a side character from Ninja Turtles. Yep, 100%. I did not know that he existed outside of that at all. Oh, um, God. Uh, <laughs> sorry. This threw me off so much. Um, completely random fact about the character. Did you know that back in the day, a project for the animated te- or for an animated television series space usagi uh based on similar to what i've just read was canceled yeah. following the failure of if you remember bucky o'hare i know that name <laughs> i can't uh, it was such a bad cartoon and i watched it a lot uh was back in like the early a, 90s it was a was green like a buck Supposed to be like a Buck Rogers kind yep, of with a green a rabbit. rabbit. Yep. Wow. Oh yeah. The first mate was a cat. Wow. Jenny. Oh yeah. Dead Eye Duck was a gunner. He was the, Oh, was I remember Dead Eye Duck. Yeah. Yeah. That, wow. That's, uh, that was wild. <laughs> that's that. It was one of those that I read that and I was like, wow, that's a a twinge from the past. Yeah, you can feel your brain like yeah. twisting, like, oh, I got that. I got that. Here, here you <laughs> so go. Go buddy. through the Rolodex, find it, find <laughs> yeah. it, find it. Oh, we got there. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. Wow, cool. All right. Uh, what else is going to be in your local comic book store this week? Let's uh, take a look. You got Alien number two, Amazing Spider Man number 40, Animal Pound number one, Batman Off World number two, Jason Aaron's uh, story in the DC universe. Batman Santa Claus Silent Night number three. If you're looking for more uh, uh, holiday flavored books, that one will be out this week. That's three of four miniseries wrapping up, I guess, the week after Christmas. Anyway, uh, Batman Superman World's Finest number 22. Canary number two. Daredevil Black Armor number two. The Deviant number two. Another Christmas uh, related story, although much more terrifying. Very different. Very different. Uh, Doctor Strange, number 10. G.I. Joe, a real American. 302. Green Lantern, War Journal, number 4. Harley Quinn, Black, White, and Redder, number 6. Hawk Girl, number 6. Incredible Hulk, number 7. Jay Garrick, The Flash, number 3. Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong, number 3. Nightwing, number 109. Original X-Men, number 1. Not sure what that is, but why not? Spawn, number 348, Spider-Boy, number 2, Star Trek, number 15, Star Wars Darth Vader, number 41, Star Wars Revelations, number 1, Superior Spider-Man, number 2, Superman, number 9, Undiscovered Country, number 27, Wolverine, number 40, and Wonder Woman, number 4. Steve, you have highlighted original X-Men, number 1, on our rundown. Pulling that one? 
Uh, I don't know. That seems like a weird book. Uh, so that, I don't know what it is at all. Is it about the original five? Yes. So there. Uh, all right. Rewind to all new X Men. Standard timey wimey bullshit. Uh, the original five get transported to the future. Yeah. Uh, that happened years ago, right? Yes. So you're thinking about the year. Yeah. That's yep. what you're talking about. Yeah. All the all new X Men was the the right. run that it was in. I think. Yeah, somebody will correct me. Um, but uh, during that run, you know, they interact with the modern day X Men. Blah blah blah. Go back. This is apparently those same five that got transported forward and sent back, uh, being transported by the Phoenix Force to a multiverse, so to a different timeline, whatever. Uh, in my brain, I'm like, uh, okay, great. No, I don't care. Yeah, I'll end up like filling in the gaps on Wikipedia or something. Yep, that's kind of how I feel too. Yep. Like, I was really out on that Batman off-world until I read this one. Jesse gave me the first one to review for the show a couple weeks ago, and I was like, oh, this is really good. It feels fresh. It feels like Batman, despite it being a crazy alien story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so there's ways to do it. But initially, a description like that is like, meh, okay. I don't care. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pulling any of these this week. I don't think I have anything on my pull. I'm going to get the uh, Batman Santa Claus number three. Uh, Hulk's the only off. thing in my brain that says it's on my list. I'm, I'll probably get the Deviant number two because the first one was so good. And maybe Batman Offworld number two? I don't know. Oh, I'm sure I'll end yeah, up with Wolverine because that's probably the last of the Fall of X Wolverines. Yeah. I decided not to pick up the Wonder Woman. I, m- I mean, I read the first Wonder Woman, the Tom King. Yep. Uh, Daniel Sumpair Wonder Woman, and I thought it was so good. And I decided not to pick up the rest of it. Just wait for like a trade. Mm-hmm. But everything I've seen of it since just looks so good. <laughs> it makes me want to go back and buy the it, floppies. And I'm like, no, no, you're starting. You're trying to pare down. You don't need that many. You can wait for the collective edition. Anyway, we got a couple one shots to wrap up the night, which we need to do soon. Steve, we you want do. to take the first one? I assigned you the first one since it seemed like it was right up your alley. By right up your alley, you mean I completely forgot this was happening. Uh, the <laughs> Wheel of Time movie has found a director. Uh, today, I remembered that the Wheel of Time uh, had a movie. Um, yes. Yeah, I also learned that that director will be Kerry Scogland, who was the director of Falcon and the Winter. Well, some episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, some Walking Dead, and some Handmaid's Tale. Uh, they will helm a film called The Age of Legends, which will be the first in a trilogy set long before the events of the current Wheel of Time series. God, I hope so, because everything I've heard is that they are butchering this. I have not uh, watched season two yet. Um, there were a lot of issues with season one. Yeah. I will probably go in. I, I like season one a lot more than most people seem to. Um, I think, again, we've been over this with uh, the comic book thing, where yeah. I feel like you and I are much more... We're more open to open, yeah, to like an interpretation. And, yeah, it yeah, doesn't yeah, have yeah. to be wrote what was written. Uh, you have a twelve hundred page book. There's going to be some things that get changed. Um, I just really don't get like you want a word for word, shot for shot remake of a thing that you already read. Like you can go read that thing. Well, like, if the, you're making it a different medium, I want it to be a little different. Those people know, that man. complain about it though are people that have read that book like five times in and out, know it left and right and the whole nine and guess, like they just want to see what's in their head show up on screen 
Yeah, I guess. I'm just not that. I'm not built that way. I yeah. don't know. I'm just not built that way. Um, does this excite you? This that there's a director that has worked on things that we like. Um, it moved the needle slightly. Slightly in that you just remember that it was happening in yes, the first place. Yes, hundred percent. Um, <laughs> nice. I was trying to be nice, but yes, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. It was more it brought uh, it back into the the realm of hey, this is the thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of people joining projects, terrible segue, but not a false one. Captain America: Brave New World has gotten a new writer. Before it starts its uh, massive reshoots, um, Matthew Orton, who was a writer on Moon Knight, he was in the writing room and also scripted, I believe, the fifth penultimate episode of Moon Knight, will be scripting, quote, additional scenes and material, end quote, for Captain America 4. Um, we uh, reported a while ago that, or it, it was reported a while ago that Captain America 4 has been pushed. Uh, I mean, a lot of the Marvel stuff has been pushed. Deadpool, Deadpool three, only live action Marvel movie that we're getting next year. Yeah, that's wild. After years of two to three movies per year, two to sometimes four movies in one year, we're getting one, one Marvel movie next year. Now, wild. I, I don't remember if I said this to you. I was talking to somebody. I that has me actually. As weird as it sounds, that has me mildly worried. Oh. Because the Sony slate is like four movies. And Craven, Madam Web, Venom 3. Venom 3 and Is that supposed to come out next year? It's supposed to. Woo! Something else. Wild. I can't remember. But either way, those three. If you add the 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 thing is the average movie going human doesn't understand or doesn't care that those pieces of hot garbage are different than the slightly (laughs) less hot garbage that will be Deadpool three, three movies you haven't seen at all declaring that they're hot garbage completely. Yes, I (laughs) am. (laughs) I've seen a trailer for two of them and they scared me the hell away. Um, which do you think looks better? Do you think looks better? Oh, Jesus. Craven? Craven or Madam Web? Which do you think looks better? I have a hard answer. My, me, uh, Madam Web all day looks better than, for me, looks better than Craven. I, all I, day I'll take Madam Web. I'm going to pivot off that answer because I don't know if I can answer. <laughs> I don't know if I can answer which one looks better. I can say I would much rather watch madam web because there's a chance there's something remotely interesting yeah madam web looks interesting to me right it looks bad but it looks interesting craven looks terrible yes straight across terrible no nothing interesting about Craven. now when i said deadpool 3 will also be garbage it'll be garbage in the best possible way like i think deadpool 3 is going to be good i think it's going to be a very good movie i think i will enjoy the hell out of it i think it's going to be very deadpool-y which is just like we're going to throw shit at a screen see what sticks um i mean it could end up being bad. Yeah, it but could. like it's got it's I'm riding so high on the strength of Deadpool 1 and 2. Yeah. That even the fact that they're bringing in all these cameos and who knows how it's going to play out and what the balance is going to be and is it going to be too much and it's going to jump the shark, who knows? Deadpool. But Deadpool so always I'm jumps the shark. Break. That's what Deadpool does. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
but yeah, but there's still a w- there's still a way for them to to add a little too much MCU. You know what I mean? And so like, so where down. where my point on this whole thing was? Yeah, is Sony unintentionally going to completely torpedo the MCU because people are going to who are already fed up with superhero movies see yeah. these three Marvel because Marvel's going to be the first Marvel, thing that shows up on the screen. Marvel adjacent. Yeah, they'll see Marvel these three Marvel movies and be like what what is this why yeah. where are what what are we doing or similar to what i just said about superman legacy will it the fact that we're getting one mcu movie will that give us like people like you and me who are like sick of it yeah will it give us enough of a break to when in 2025 we're like oh hell yeah i'll go see thunderbolts this looks good i haven't seen one of these in a while so you know thunderbolts i don't think we'll ever see the light of day uh wow. but the that's just the first one i thought of um i think I, I think this is going to be the weird thing i think people like you and i that are in in the like zeitgeist yeah are going to be extremely excited that there's only one mcu movie and we're getting a break and it's slowing down i think yeah. the general movie going populace that made venom to a billion dollar movie uh are not going to understand that and they're just going to see the other marvel movies yeah and then wonder why they're horrible and then lose like almost lose any good faith that was being saved up by the mcu by not putting movies out because it all happens to be in the same year yeah so that's uh, you know it, there's no there's there's nothing that says this is what's going to happen but that's one thing that popped into my head as a worry of like oh yeah. boy what could what's what's going on here yeah, you're not so. wrong. Um, anyway, Captain America: Brave New World, Captain America Four, um, going under massive reshoots. Matthew Orton writing them. Matthew Orton was not one of the original writers of the film's initial script, which a little worrisome for me. I guess like, couldn't you get someone that wrote the actual movie so you know what like the tone is like? I don't know. I feel like or was a writer on a MCU project that wasn't relatively panned. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like, I, like I like I liked Moonlight Night more than most, but a lot of people thought that was not a good oh. show. I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. Right, I thought it was all right. I thought they lost the ending of it for sure. But it was, you know, what? Um, it was the standard Oscar MCU Isaac was thing. Great, in it. exactly. It was the standard MCU thing where you're like, Oscar Isaac and uh, Ethan Hawke were great. Yeah, and the end did things. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm someone that was very excited about Catherine America 4 for a long time. And this news that it's like, mm-hmm. and like every movie has reshoots. Every movie every, has, every movie has reshoots. Or every blockbuster movie go, undergoes reshoots. But the fact that these are like being reported as being like massive reshoots to the point where you need a new writer to like rewrite things. This, this kind of sounds like what happened to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which started off strong and they had to like rewrite half of it and they still rushed it and got it out and it didn't really make a ton of sense. I wasn't really sure what goal of the villain was. Mm-hmm. It just like muddied it. You know what I mean? It muddied it up. So I'm hoping that this isn't the case, but for me, I'm definitely less excited about Captain America Brave New World than I was a month ago or two months ago, two months ago. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know. 
We'll see what happens someday when this movie comes out. Or we won't. Because it'll be canceled. I don't know. No, it's not going to be canceled. They're putting too much money into it. And it's Captain America. It's Captain America. We need it. The world needs Captain America. It's true. Don't you think, Steve? I think that's a rant for a different I, day, my friend. Yeah, um, I don't know what I mean by that at all. But um, I think that's it. That's I think, all I got. I it's, think you're uh, right. I also so. don't think I know what you mean. But yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, should we wrap this up? I think we tell should. people to think, subscribe and like us on YouTube and subscribe to us on their podcast feed? I think that's exactly what we should do. Yeah. Do what Mike said. If you're, li- if you're listening to us, subscribe to us on the thing you're listening to us on. If you're watching us, like and subscribe on that YouTube thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, where can they get a hold of us, Steve, if they need us? Um, the Multiverse Report at gmail.com. Yep. That's or for sure. The Multiverse Report on any of your social needs. Yep. That's for um, sure. Multiversereport.com. You can probably check us out there. I think that's got the links to all the other stuff we talked about, too. Sure does. Perfect. All that stuff. So, uh, yeah, if you're watching us, you should listen to us sometime. If you're listening to us, you should watch us. We're live uh, most Sunday nights, usually around 930, unless one of us has to go to the North Pole and back, and then it's closer to 10, 1030. Fair enough. Um, That's all, and I'm tired. I'm going to go to bed. So until next time, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the multiverse.